This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Pigskin fans, the moment you have been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. Yeah, that's right. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets them, it gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So again, use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Episode 100, Radio Silence. Let that sink in for a little bit. Bar Down Breakdown, episode number 100. We've done this 100 times, and they're still letting us do it. Isn't that insane? It really is. And I can't even begin to thank everyone who has supported this show since day one. The Hockey Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. All our homies in mm-hmm. you know bands that we've talked to, other podcasts, Islanders community, like the list goes on and on. And this is a special episode, Tom. This is 100. A lot of podcasts don't make it to this point because mm-hmm. it is a saturated market, and you know, some sometimes podcasts, even even ones that have great ideas, they just don't stick with it, and you know. As I mentioned on the Seltzer Time podcast when we were on it last week, if there's one person that tunes in to listen, that's enough for me. Yeah. Because I get to talk with my best friend once a week. And, you know, for someone who's in their, you know, 
early 30s, mid 30s, whatever you want to call it, you know, that's not that's not common. So no, you're right. yeah. I, I'm I'm so appreciative that I get to do this with you. And yeah, this is a special one. And we got a bucket list guest. Let's go. Super pumped. Yeah, man. And uh, as we want to do, uh, we started it last episode and we're going to continue it with this one. Uh, we're going to nail uh, nail it down. We're going to do scenes from the box, two minutes. We're going to talk about uh, something cool. And uh, why not uh, this episode uh, talk about, uh, you know, one of our uh, favorite artists, uh, Dan from As Tall as Lions, is uh, helped produce and, and create uh, what is the, one of the number one songs in the country right now in Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. So let's chat a little bit about that. So I'm going to hit start. Two minutes begin. So uh, um, I just had the opportunity to listen to it. And I mean, it's a great pop song. It's infectious. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Um, it, you know, I'm sure you can, you know, knowing like the kind of music that Dan wrote with As Tall as Lions, it's very, it's it's got a lot of depth. It's broad. You know, it's not as experimental as what As Tall as Lions would end up, you know, doing with their, their later records. But I mean, you could see, you know, the uh, the way the track moves and the way it builds and crescendos is really, really interesting. Um, what do you think of the track? Yeah, dude, like it gave me when I when I listened to it for the first time, it gave me vibes of, you know, a song you would hear on Lafcadio, their first, you know, release or first mm-hmm. major release. And, you know, once I saw Dan post about it, I was like, I don't, you know, obviously I don't listen to top 40 and I'm not like so connected with pop music. So I, I, I really didn't know the song and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like he, he's saying that he's got this really like, you know, important song that's blowing up right now. So I instantly went to Caitlin. I was like, Caitlin, what is this song? And she's like, are you kidding me? Like that song is literally everywhere. And sure enough, it was. And it is breaking records. It was the single most uh, streamed song on Spotify, oh. which like beat like Taylor Swift's and like <laughs> like huge names. That's how popular the song is, and it's just cool to know that you know someone from our scene is involved in that song and has their hands all over it. And I'm sure in the song credits you're gonna see you know producer and co-writer. And that's cool that, you know, and, and it's cool that we get to talk about as tall as lines a second time on bar down breakdown, which I'm all for. Yeah, man, absolutely. And that, and that is two minutes and and it just, um, you know, before we move on from it, it is kind of wild to say, um, I believe Olivia Rodrigo is only 17 years old. So, I mean, imagine that that craziness at 17 years old, having, you know, one of the biggest songs in the country, breaking a bunch of records. I just can't imagine, uh, you know, what that, what that's all about. And, you know, song is heartbreaking, but if you haven't had a chance to listen, go listen to it. Um, on that note, um, <laughs> I mean, episode 100, it, it's, it's pretty insane. Um, I'm going to, uh, give it off to Mikey. Uh, we've got a couple of awesome contests going on. We want to uh, give a huge shout out and a big thank you to everyone who's, uh, um, helped us run it and all of the, uh, awesome giveaways that we've had. So Mikey, if you want to, uh, give some shout outs, now's the time. Yeah. You know, as we were building up for this episode, it's been, you know, 
kind of months in the making. I, I was trying to to throw out literally all the punches, like whatever I could do to to just make this our most special episode. I did, and you know I have to thank Long Island Hockey Company, awesome company out of Long Island that is doing some really cool hockey apparel, uh, hockey design merchandise, and just awesome people. So go give them a follow. Go check out their awesome designs. Then then uh, Smutty Nose Brewing Company up in New Hampshire, they have a hockey-themed IPA called the Backcheck IPA. And when I saw that, I was like, yep, they have to be involved. And they were totally on board and love what we're doing. So I was like, this is awesome. And then, obviously, because of our 100th guest, have to thank Steve's brand, Derek's clothing line. Um, just awesome designs. That snapback hat is right down my alley. Like, I probably should have bought two of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just really wanted to thank those three companies for helping hype up this episode. But then we have to thank our boys on Seltzer Time Podcast for having us mm-hmm. on. The Never, Absolutely. The Never Say Die Islanders podcast that had me on. Um, getting shout outs from the NASA Men podcast, getting shout outs from Eyes on Isles. You, you know, the list goes on and on. And I just really thank everyone for being so supportive of us and letting us do this for 100 episodes. It's It's really special. And I, I'm going to probably say that a million times <laughs> throughout the episode because I, I really didn't think this was going to happen. And it, it's it's so cool that I get to do it with my best friend. And, you know, the fact that all these companies from around the, around the country also appreciate what we're doing and want it to be involved. It's just it's cool, man. It really is. I agree. Um, you know, a tremendous thank you to everyone who is. Uh put forth an effort to make sure that this uh, 100th episode is going to be really special for us. Uh, and without further ado, uh, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, we almost uh, didn't get to have him on the podcast because the Buffalo Bills lost. And uh, presumably, you know, being from Albany, um, you know, it's probably a tremendous amount of sadness. I think everyone from upstate New York is experiencing a tremendous amount of sadness. But I mean, come on, it's Pat Mahomes. Did you really think... Do you really think you're going to be Pat Mahomes? This isn't a football podcast, but just had to say it. But um, Derek from State Champs, uh, you know, we have an awesome interview with him. But, you know, State Champs is just one of those bands who has kind of transcended the pop punk world in so much that uh, they've gained a, a pretty much a cult following and are right up there with the most prominent pop punk bands of the 2010s. Uh, They've got three fantastic full-length records, all of which were released by Pure Noise, and we're going to talk to Derek about them and, uh, you know, all things uh, hockey. I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of great stories, and I'm really, really excited to just get right into it. So uh, on that note, episode 100, Derek from State Champs, see you on the other side. Is if I was the wrong one 
Bar Down Breakdown, episode 100. Again, that's 100 episodes that they've let us do. Why? I don't really know. Uh, someone's going to catch on eventually, and gonna, they're going to cancel us. But um, we got we got the homie Derek from State Champs, and he's here with us. And we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some State Champs. We're going to talk some Albany. We're going to talk a lot of stuff. But the first, probably and most important question is, um, how are you hanging on after the Bills lost? <laughs> well, luckily, I'm upstate New York. I'm from Albany. So I, I, I was actually raised a Jets fan. So I was born to lose. Oh, and uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm pretty used to this. I was I was excited to watch the game. I was rooting for the Bills, honestly. It would have been a, a, a history book setting for them. And it was a history book season for them. So it was a good yeah. game to watch. I, I think that was, I mean, it's their best season ever. So they got a future yeah. now. Something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen is, is some kind of a competitor, man. Just like, yeah. you know, Kansas city being Kansas city. I mean, they're just a, they're just a, an unbelievable team. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were able to bottle him up, but I mean, you know, watching him play against the Ravens and, uh, and, um, you know, the Colts and, and just, you know, he really is a special player. So, uh, knowing they're going to build the franchise around him is, is kind of cool, but you know, anytime anyone's from upstate, you know, I, I, I always got to, just assume that you're, you know, part of the Bills Mafia, putting people through tables, you know. Like I mean, I love nothing more. I love nothing more than than see, watching all the viral videos of people missing <laughs> tables. That's probably oh, my God, favorite. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm from Albany. I was, I was raised a Jets fan, but uh, and now I actually go to a lot of Giants games more than Jets games. Uh, okay. And But not that they've been doing very good at all either. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at, at more importantly, I just go to drink and have a good time and and talk about that I'm I'd rather be at a hockey game. So that's that's yeah. I, <laughs> hell hell yeah, man. So so let's um let's just dive right in, man. So uh, if if the world doesn't already know, even though you're you're a homie from Albany, mm-hmm. you're a Dallas Stars fan. Isn't that right? I am. Everybody always asks why doesn't get it. But yeah, I've been a Dallas Stars fan since I was pretty little since uh, since they won the cup, like probably the year that they won the cup. Ninety nine was when I started becoming a bandwagon, young six year old Dallas Stars fan. And then uh, from there on out, it was wishful thinking from ninety nine until about (laughs) last year. So I've stayed loyal, though. But as someone from New York, everyone's like, why? Why? I think I was at an AHL game in Albany at some point with my stepbrothers at the time and uh each of us got given a puck from my dad or whatever bought us all a puck and they gave me a dallas stars puck and i went home and looked it up and they ended up winning the cup that year i was like i'm gonna be a dallas stars fan and like worshipped mike madonna my whole life and like i grew up playing hockey since i was little so but yeah i stayed loyal and they haven't been good since then and it feels good that they now are like have a future this year you know and that obviously last year moving forward yeah yeah, and yeah. I had a feeling it had to have something to do with Mike Madonna because every kid that played hockey in the United States, like he was the face of USA hockey. Mm. And, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, t- to my opinion, the best American-born hockey player still. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a left-handed hockey player. I used his curve always since I was a little kid. Going to the backstory too, like my dad, uh, he owned a hockey rink when I was little. Like I like from when I was like maybe three until I was 12. He owned like one of those mini hockey rinks, like a little training facility. It was like the size of like one, like the size of a neutral zone basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, another funny story too, is we had, we used to have these like three on three tournaments in there, like for like youth hockey leagues and whatnot. One, and we called, and one year Bobby Hall came to it 
And it was yeah. like, it was, too, yeah, yeah, he came to it. So we started calling it the Bobby Hall three-on-three tournament every year and because he came one year. And uh, it was in 2000 or 2001, I think. And so the year after Brett won his son with the stars in 99. And uh, he brought this, he brought this signed, uh, big signed framed picture of Brett Hall scoring the double overtime game winner for the cup from 99 Sweet. signed by Brett Hall. And it was whoever won the tournament was going to get it. And, and me and me and my stepbrothers ended up winning the tournament. I still have the photo. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. So that played into why I'm still a Stars fan as well. Wow. So yeah. your dad, I'm guessing, is also a huge ho- hockey fan. If he has this facility, who who, uh, who was the team your dad rooted for? My dad was actually always a Blackhawks fan, and he still is to this day. Okay. Um, so there's a little bit of rivalry there. We used to always go. I'd take him to win. Like well. As of recently, I started like going with him when the Hawks play like the Rangers, and we'll go down to Madison Square Garden, and he'll do the same for me. We'll go down and watch the Stars play. So, but I don't think we've ever seen like a Hawks Stars game because we're still from New York, so that just doesn't really happen unless we travel, obviously. Yep. But um, yeah, my dad was my coach. He was a coach, owned the rink, was like he taught me how to play, put me on skates like basically right when I could walk when I was little. My dad, my dad played in the OHL too in like the seventies. Yeah, my dad, not a team anymore, but he played for Halliburton, the Halliburton Blades. They folded like maybe 20 years ago. He's he's very old, but <laughs> he, he played in the OHL for a few years and then ended up breaking his back. And oh uh, that was that was the end of his his professional career. And then he took maybe like 10, 15 years off, had me and then uh, just raised me. And he was I was like his, you know, little son that he had to build up into this hockey player. So I played my whole life and uh, he was always my coach. So it was this weird thing, you know, having like the son at, and the son is like the captain of the team and he's the coach and like other players. It, it was this weird thing, you know. I love that. So, so I guess I, I want to talk about like the Albany hockey scene because yeah. maybe our national listeners don't know this. like. It's a very divided region when it comes to sports alliance uh, allegiances. Like Tom pointed out, like assuming that you were a Bills fan, but like people from Albany like the Bruins, they like the Rangers, not so many Islander fans. Um, and then like you guys had the Albany Devils, which was the AHL team. And mm-hmm. the Albany Devils in the 90s, you know, according to my wife, was like a big deal. Like that, like the, the whole city came out to support them. And the they were really good the, back then. Yeah, the Thunderbirds, really right? Or then. the Firebirds, or what was the arena football team? Firebirds, yeah. yeah the Firebirds. Albany Firebirds, they were the arena football team doing really well. We had, like, a crazy sports, uh, you know, just uh, all around. Like, all the Albany sports were so gathered around and backed back then. Actually, and it wasn't the Albany Devils back then. It, they were called the Albany River Rats. Yeah, the River the Rats. Most, the, yep. yeah, the, most, the most terrible name for a hockey team and gave us such a bad reputation. But I used to go to those <laughs> games all the time. Obviously, there was still the Devils farm team at that point. But mm-hmm. we were filling up, like, the home arena, and they were, they were winning. They were doing really good. Then they changed to the Devils, the Albany Devils. And I don't know what year that was. They didn't, they didn't do very well after that, though. No. And then eventually they folded, so they're not a team anymore anymore yeah and and it's kind of sad to see because that times union center now like that they've tried bringing the arena football team back and that already folded they lost their ahl team so like who plays there just sienna i guess they do the one they do the one college game a year which is the mayor's cup between uh union college and rpi but uh that's the only time they put ice on the arena then i guess for that other than that, maybe like Disney on ice, but like, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing like, uh, continuous going on out there. I don't even know. 
Yeah, it's and strange. that surprises me. I didn't know that the the arena football team folded already. I went to the the the, the opener of the first season of that. It was actually really fun, but I guess nobody cared after that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Alternative alternative football leagues don't don't seem to last very long. I mean, what well, the XFL got one season, then folded, and then got another one season, and then folded. It's it's just so hard to to compete. Um, but so I have a. A question. So, you know, you said you grew up playing hockey yeah. uh, and, you know, obviously your, your other passion, you know, as you are in state champs is, mm-hmm. is, is music. So um, was there a crossroads for you, like personally, when you were like, I could go down this avenue of maybe trying to be a pro hockey player or, or, or following that dream? And then the other crossroads would be, and I really love music. I want to, you know, be in a band and try to follow that path. Like, can you kind of zone in on what that crossroad really was yeah so it it did get to a weird time i guess towards the end of high school um it's funny because i went i my parents were separated i lived with my mom in one town my dad lived maybe 20 minutes away and i was like going back and forth he was my hockey coach i played youth hockey up there and then uh when youth hockey runs out you know after like bantams or midget was uh, or whatever i i was maybe like a sophomore junior in high school and the high school i was going to didn't have a high school hockey team but where my dad lived his uh, the high school his school district did have a hockey team so i ended up uh switching schools from my junior like just for my senior year to go play high school hockey where my dad was and uh I played the season there and then I just transferred back with like two months left of my, my senior year of high school to graduate with all of my friends. It was a really weird senior year of high school for me. But then, uh, I was also really into graphic design as well. I was working for a merch company doing designs for bands. So it's kind of like Jack of all trades, but I don't know what the heck I want to do. Like what my Mm -hmm. future is really. I was also started, started the band my senior year of high school. So there's music, there's art, there's hockey, and I don't really know what's going on. The only college I got into, because I didn't have very good grades, was uh, an art school. It was called SUNY Purchase. It's a state school in New York. Sure. And they don't have a hockey program either. So now I'm like, but my dad is on my back like, well, you could go move up to Canada and live with a French-speaking home and try to like get in some <laughs> camps and get some OHL tryouts, do this, or like play some type of junior hockey up there. That seems scary to me. So I ended up taking, I ended up going to uh, art school. I went to SUNY Purchase for the one year, and uh, all, while also starting the band, we started to like tour a bunch on the weekends, and then it turned into week-long tours. By the end of my first freshman year of college, I started like missing weeks and weeks of of college, and I'm like failing out of all my classes. And then at the end of the year, we got our first record deal offer from Pure Noise Records, which was a big mm-hmm. thing for us. And all they said was, if you have a job quit it. If you're in school, drop out. You're going to buy a van. You're going to go on tour for the next five years and let's see what happens. So then I'm going to my parents. I'm like, listen, we got this offer. Now I know that like you've been invested with this, but I'm dropping out of school, going on tour with my friends and let's see how that goes. So it was a big roller coaster of like going from this idea that hockey to now art and then music I ended up with. And I'm glad that I stuck with that. So I guess I, I have no regrets in the long run, but do I miss hockey? I really do. Um, I haven't played since like 2011, something like that. So I guess it's been almost 10 years since I've like played competitively. Little, little like uh, pickup in, in men's leagues here and there. I love a good beer league every once in a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I, I want to, I don't want to abandon the Albany conversation quite yet because yeah. Like I said, I, I, I lived in Albany for four years, so I feel like I kind of have like my pulse on, on my finger on the pulse there. So mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you mentioned that the band kind of started your senior year of high school and then carried over into your freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Like, the Albany music scene, at least when I was there, there wasn't a lot happening. Like, you had Bogies, which was, like, the yep. small venue that was, like, a dump. But, you know, it was your dump, I'm sure. And oh, then, yeah. And, but then there was, like, the extreme opposite with Northern Lights and Upstate Concert Hall. So, like, uh-huh. a band that's starting out, it's kind of like you, you grow out of bogeys really quick, and then there's not, like, an in-between venue for you to, like, make your, your stepping stones to then get to the point where you're playing Upstate Concert Hall. So yeah, like, there still there still isn't either. There's really only like tiny, tiny little little venues, bars, and clubs, and then there's the Upstate Concert Hall, which holds almost two thousand people. So it's like there's no middle ground there for the scene to build and for local bands to build. Um, people have tried. There's been little like venues that pop up for maybe a few months, and then it doesn't. It goes away. Um, but yeah, when we first started. Albany was always really uh, heavier based music scene. The local scene was all metal and hardcore. And like even before State Champs, maybe when I was in middle school, 12, 13, my first band was a metalcore band that I, I was the screamer in. I, so it's really fun. That's how me and Tyler met the guitarist in my band. He was also in a metalcore band fronted by his older brother, who was the screamer. Tyler played bass. And we started playing shows at like local veterans halls and churches in Albany. And then we got so sick of the heaviness and the mosh scene and stuff. We were like, you want to just hang out in our basement and like cover cartel songs and like fallout boy <laughs> songs and stuff like that. Yeah. So we started doing that. That's, that's generally how, how state champs began. But uh, you're right. Then we started playing these local shows, bogeys that run down punk venue with leaks all throughout the ceiling was Sorry. our, was our <laughs> dump. It was our dump that we threw all of our, our local shows at and we played it until we were way too big for it because there was nothing else to go to. We were always opening for our favorite bands at the bigger venue. We opened for Bayside a bunch of times, Newfound Glory, a bunch of other big bands until we were big enough to now headline it ourselves. So we do our own holiday show there every year Um, around Christmas time. We call it Frozen Fest and we do two nights there. Actually, we do two nights and it always sells out, which is pretty cool. It's a cool feeling now to know that where we came from, like scrounging, we used to pay to, to pay the promoters to let us open for bands like Bayside at those venues. And now uh, it's cool to have a hometown and like ha- actually build a scene now for what it is in Albany and upstate New York, which is, like you said, the middle ground of so many other cities. You know, you're in the middle, you're, you're, you're basically, what we like to say is you're two hours from everything. You're two hours from everything when you're in Albany. You can go down to the city, you can go over to Buffalo or Syracuse, you can go up to Montreal, you can go over to Boston. Any direction, you're going to find a big city. And that's why so many people are different, are fans of so many different teams, so many different cities surrounding, you know? Yeah. So, like, was it discouraging when you were starting out? Like, were you guys ever considering relocating out of Albany because the scene wasn't really, like, you know, there weren't other bands that were in that pop punk scene? Like, I know of maybe two, like Northern Faces and Stellar Young. Like, those are maybe the two Albany bands that I knew of when I was there. Yeah, there was a couple other ones as well. Sorry, go ahead. Well, as I was saying, you got to go back in time Mm -hmm. because in the 90s, well, they started in the 90s, there was this really uh, important pop punk band that was on Victory Records from Albany called Count the Stars. Yeah, man. And they're from Delmar. That's actually Caitlin's good friend. Her brother was in Count the Stars. So, so like, Count the Stars is like over time, they've kind of lost like their luster because, like, they were like kind of like an older, like, 
90s turn of the 2000s like pop punk band which is a lot different than the pop punk like pop punk bands of today you know mm-hmm. and there are only only a handful of bands have like been able to kind of like transition that one of those being being bayside really i mean you know bayside you know their first uh the split with name taken i guess came out in like 2002 and they were able to to kind of make it work but um mm-hmm. i i think it's so so interesting though because you, you like you lock into like these hometowns just as like you know you guys were saying where it's kind of a little a little spread out and it, you know there's not as much uh in, in terms of pop punk bands so i guess for you guys right kind of like almost spearheading the metric how was that in terms of like taking the albany scene from metalcore hardcore and like turning these kids into like you know pop punk rules again you know state champs is dope mm-hmm. how was that a difficult thing to do or did it just kind of happen for you guys i think it was kind of difficult but there was a th- there was a time frame from right when we started into like 2014 where like a big like revival of pop punk in the easy core movement and the transfusion i like to call of hardcore into pop punk you know obviously like you were talking about in the 90s it's totally different that pop punk scene and pop punk was was considered something totally different i think in our era when we started 2010 was this big time for like bands like four year strong and set your goals who are who have these big backings from the hardcore scene and take influence from that stuff and then it turned into the wonder years man overboard transit polar bear club a loss for words those are all those bands we looked up to and wanted to be like Mm -hmm. when we started as well and those are all the bands that we eventually started opening up for going on tours bands that were our mentors basically like that that were uh bringing us out as the openers so i think it was definitely difficult to kind of like we had to open for a lot of hardcore bands is what I mean. We had to, we had to play with a lot of, we had to play a lot yeah. of shows that we did not make sense on. Even when we first started touring, we, uh, I mean, we still like that stuff. So we ended up going on tours with a lot of other heavy bands, like random metalcore bands and like, like chunk, no captain chunk. And like, yeah. we, we went on tour with counterparts a bunch. We played a lot of shows with like the Acacia strain who's like local to us as well. So, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of just like put ourselves in there. There's so many festivals where you see a lot of those bands from different genres from both sides of that anyway. Absolutely. So I don't think it was like crazy difficult. And going back to what you're talking about, like bringing up the Albany local scene, I don't think we were like, we saw that as a difficulty because we loved the idea of being able to get out of town and grow us like as a band and not only be a hometown band. We wanted to go out on these weekend tours and go down to Boston or go out to Syracuse or go to Long Island, go up to Montreal, play Toronto. We wanted to just get out and like, you know, get our name out there more while at the same time coming back and playing local shows here and there. So, um, yeah, it was a slow growth, I'd say, but I'm glad that we still got something going on and we're still like surviving and and creating a scene and still, you know, bringing it up with the with the the younger generation. So, I got to ask the ask the burning question then. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people don't realize that realize this, but one of the biggest like alternative music labels is actually headquartered in Albany, which is Equal Vision Re- Records. So yeah. like when you guys are starting to blow up, like it it would make like logical sense, like to sign with Equal Vision. Like, no disrespect to Pure Noise because they are absolutely fantastic, and you guys made the mm-hmm. right choice. But like, was that ever a thought? Like, 
should we just sign with equal vision? Like they're right here in our backyard. I think that would have been super ideal and makes total sense, <laughs> but I don't think they gave a shit about us. <laughs> I don't think they cared. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they regret they that did. now. Maybe they do now. I don't know. But like, uh, we used to, we used to make demos and send and punish, man. I used to be on email sending our songs and new demos to every label, hopeless, fearless, epitaph, equal vision, everybody. I was sending everything, everything that we did, no responses ever, except for Pure Noise Records. They would always at least send us an email back. Nobody cared and wanted anything to do with us for, I would say, the first two years while we were making music. But Pure Noise, Jake from Pure Noise is a one-man show back then. It was just yeah. him running it out of his mom's house back then, you know? Uh, but he would always reply and be like, thanks for sending this over. Let me know when you got something else. <laughs> like, at least he would give us that. <laughs> You know, so there was hope there. And it wasn't until we finally sent him a demo of uh, what ended up being one of the songs on our first album or first uh, EP that we did with Pure Noise, the song called Critical. Uh, we sent it to him. And that was the time after maybe four or five emails before, four or five demos prior. That was the one where he listened in and I got a quick email back asking for my phone number. And he was like, OK, we need to get on the phone. I, I called all the guys first. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like he wants to call. He wants to talk to me. I'll call you right back got on the phone and basically it was really it was a fast moving thing he was like i'm interested what do you think about doing a deal like we can talk with the rest of the guys but like let's see what we can let's see what we can make happen so he, he was the only one that took interest in us the only offer we ever got and the only thing we ever said yes to there weren't other offers on the table back then so we were like we got to take this while it's hot while there's while there's this is our only like opportunity you know so going back to that yeah equal vision would have been cool but they missed out i guess <laughs> yeah and, and there's and you know what the other thing that, that i you know one thing i think is great is seeing a lot of these these excellent bands that have really this longevity and this stripe of just staying with with record labels because they treat them well you know so let you know you guys, as an example, you know, you've put out three full length records and a couple of EPs, all of which you've done with, with Pure Noise. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I look at um, the story so far and their lineage with Pure Noise. And then you look at a band, you know, like Turnover, who has done everything on Run for Cover Records. And you could probably make the argument that any of the three of those bands that I've just mentioned, you guys, the source of our Turnover, if they wanted to take their hand you know, if you wanted to take your hand and, and try to go major or do something crazy, I'm sure you've got, you know, the, the firepower to do it. But there's something about being comfortable with people who know have your back. And yeah. like turnover is that great example. Like I, I, it's staggering to me. Like uh, I can count the times on like two hands that I've seen turnover play in like basements in, on, on Long Island and in like crappy bars. And now like I hear turnover songs in target over the fucking target radio. It's crazy. And it's just, but it's like, but it's the same thing with like you guys in the story so far. It's just like you, you know, if, if you guys wanted to, you could just be like, you know, Epic records or I don't know, Domino Records. I'm literally dating myself. I'm talking about like labels. You're going back, bro. You're going back. Yeah, way back. But I mean, like, but you could do that but yet you don't. And I think that's, that's a great thing. And I think it's a great thing also for, for these labels and for bands that have high hopes of, you know, getting to that plateau, because maybe for you guys at, at first, you know, pure noise was just like, Oh, it's the only label that, you know, even 
wanted to respond to us. So we took the opportunity when we could, but now, you know, any band in 2020, if, if pure noise sends them an email, it's like, Holy shit, man. Like we're, you know, we're in. So I think that's super cool. I really do. And I love that. Yeah. I think there's like a big sense of loyalty, you know, like that's what comes from that over time. And like, sure enough, it could have been a hit or miss situation. Like I said, it was the only label that reached out to us that offered us something at the beginning. And, uh, for some bands, that's not how it goes. You know, it takes a while to find that right fit and then they end up staying with the label. You know, uh, you find that chemistry and that, uh, relationship with the label that, uh, lets you be creative, you know, lets you make your own decisions while also like providing you the things you need and guiding you in the right direction. That's something we've had with Pure Noise over the past seven years now. Yeah, we've done three records working on our fourth one. Our contract was actually up after the last one. So we did all the meetings. We did. We met with everybody. And all those offers were there from every label, all of those indie labels that <laughs> are in our, our world. And we even did. like We, we did the, the major thought too we went yeah. out and got schmoozed by a major label and like they they uh said they could do so much for our band and then like it just kind of went away and like i'm glad i'm glad that it did because we have something special with pure noise and uh we didn't want to really jeopardize that um and and it's the same way like you said with bands like the story so far turnover um you know it, it, you see that and like you notice that and uh that's why those bands stay afloat and why you yeah. can, why, and their relevancy like remains you know um it's something that I'm that I think we're very fortunate for something that we shouldn't take for granted you know because uh, you hear the horror stories you know about so many bands like getting screwed over by this or that and whatnot so um we're pretty fortunate I'd say yeah Jake was actually one of our first guests on the podcast like I think episode eight oh you guys had Jake oh yeah and oh man I gotta go back and watch it that'd be funny yeah yeah so like <laughs> way back when we were first getting started and just such an awesome dude and it's like crazy to think that we had an hour conversation with the owner of one of our favorite labels that has literally put out pretty much all of our favorite music so it mm -hmm. it was just so like such a he's such a down to earth dude and huge hockey fan so like when you guys were starting to get to know each other like did that come up pretty quickly yeah, it did. Uh, but I don't think like we really got into it until like, uh, you know, he moved to L.A. and like became a huge Kings fan, season ticket holder. Obviously, we, whenever I'm in town, I'm like, are we going to a game? You know, so, <laughs> so that 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 plays into it, too. But more than that, like uh, he was refing for a while. He plays in a league still. Um, yeah, he's a huge hockey fan. So like that obviously plays into our friendship and our relationship as well. We're always talking hockey. We'll be texting about stuff. You know, it's that's that also goes into it. You know, someone like that, not every band or every member in a band like considers their label CEO just a homie that you text about random stuff. We're talking about fantasy hockey. We're talking about skating. We're talking about whatever. It, it, it's anything. Old punk stuff. Like it's so cool to have that relationship. But also he's the guy that you know lets us have a career and like provides what we need to make records to let us do our thing so it's like it's cool to have that two-way relationship that's like very solid you know for sure and i guess like adjacent to pure noise and like it does cross over a lot is jake's relationship with like hammer and violent gentlemen and i know <laughs> that you guys have done like a few shirts or at least one shirt i know of definitely so yeah you you mentioned that you're currently recording your next full length are you guys in talks of doing like a special variant with just violent gentlemen 
Like I know oh, Seaway. I, so. I, I know Seaway just did one. Four Year Strong just did one. And I feel like that's the direction. Like that exclusive violent gentleman variant, man. Yeah, right. It's becoming like a staple thing with them. I'm so glad they do it. Uh, yeah, we've done collabs with them, like on Warp Tour when they went out on the tour. I think we did like a Rangers ripoff, or we did a Team USA ripoff back once as well. I think we've done a few at this point. I can only hope that they're down to do some more collabs because I mean, Violent Gentlemen is a, another example of a brand and a lifestyle that's been built from the ground up by those guys. They're doing such a good job over there, and uh, they've always been super nice to us. They'll let us come crash the warehouse whenever we're in town and whatnot, and steal a bunch of shit. So it's pretty cool, and. Uh, yeah, I can I can only hope we could do one of those variations, one of those variants soon again for the new record. Hell yeah. So yeah. I, I guess um, you know, talking about labels and violent gentlemen, I want to talk about your own clothing line, because you also have Steve's brand. And I was looking at your promo photos and it looks like they were literally taken in front of my old apartment in Troy, New York. Did you guys yeah, take- they were. They were in downtown. That's yeah. funny. Is that right on River Street? Because that's where I <laughs> yeah. lived. I lived at the Hudson, which is yeah. right there on River Street. And honestly, if those brownstones in Troy weren't in such bad shape, there is a chance that I would have stayed in Troy and bought one of those brownstones and like did a renovation. But like everyone I talked to said, like, don't do it. Like all the pipes, all the electrical stuff has never been updated since like the late 1800s. Like, don't do it. Yeah. It's such an old city, like, and it's not the, it doesn't have the best reputation or whatever, but, uh, it's getting better. I almost actually, I almost, I'm thinking about getting one, getting an apartment, but there's so many big new apartment buildings being built down there in Troy. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it myself, but I, I don't blame you for, for getting out of there. <laughs> I, I, I really can only speak highly of my time living in Troy. Like, where I was was an awesome spot. I, had, I lived on top of my barber shop. There was an awesome bagel place right down the road that I walked to. My favorite bar was right across the street. Like, it was an awesome, awesome location. Which and, bar was it? Which and bar was it, Tom, this is my segue, dude. You're, you're fucking it up, man. <laughs> and that bar that I'm talking about is actually how I know of state champs. So I can, no actually, way. I can actually pinpoint <laughs> the day that I found out about state champs. Like, I can't do that with any other band. And the reason I can pinpoint the exact day is because that, there was one of the most important hockey games of my lifetime on that day. And that's the TJ Oshie shootout game. Oh, no way. Yeah, so that goes back. And I wrote down the date. February 15th, 2014 is when I found out about State Champs. And I'll tell you the whole story because it's just fucking crazy. I got to hear this now. Yeah, yeah. So my best friend from Long Island and his wife came up to visit me. And it was to watch some of those Olympic games. So we went to Browns, which is in Troy, like Browns Brewery. And we watched the the USA-Russia game. And it was an afternoon game. I remember, like, there was maybe five other people in Browns. So, like, <laughs> we were doing some day drinking. And my buddy yep. was like, yo, I got a good buzz. I want to go sing karaoke. Where can I sing karaoke? I'm like, dude, there's nowhere to sing kar- like, karaoke doubt in it. Troy. I doubt it. And I was like, you know what? There's one place that's really freaking weird, but I love it. Like, let's just pop in there. And it was Footsie Magoo's. Do you know Footsie oh, Magoo's? Yeah. I still hang out there. Yeah. So Footsie <laughs> Magoo's is like, there's no sign that would even let you know it's a bar. And they always nope. keep the lights so dim. So like, 
you walk by and you're like, is this like a cafe? Like, what is this? And I was like, you know what? My buddy's here. Let's let's go into Footsie Magoo's. It's kind of a quirky place. And there's no one else in there. Because it's like 3 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock in the afternoon now. Because the game just ended. It's early evening. And the only other person in there is the bartender. And they had one of those like fancy jukeboxes that you can like pay like 20 bucks and like pick whatever song. So I always like whenever I see like those jukeboxes, I put in like 30 bucks and I just like City and Color, Bayside, whatever they have that like is yeah. kind of popular. Yeah. And the bartender was loving it. And then like we just started talking. I was like, yeah. And I was shitting on Albany. I was like, man, I just wish that there was like good music here. And he's like, dude, have you ever heard of state champs? And I'm like, no, like, who are they? So like he played your your, your music for me. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I had no idea that you guys were <laughs> from Albany or anything. And and that was the day that I found out about state champs at Footsie Magoo's. That's funny. I wonder who it was. I wonder who that bartender was. I probably know who that is. It's funny. I still hang out there at, at Footsie Magoo's. Like, that's still a go-to spot. And you're right. You wouldn't know it's a bar. There's no sign. Like, and that's, that's kind of why, like... My, me and my friends like it like th- there's no there's no one ever there it's kind of just like a place to go and hang out you know uh but that's really really funny i probably know who that is too yeah and it, <laughs> speaking of that bar like there's all these like little rooms and little pockets in that bar too it's like a huge bar too and you would not know from looking at the front of the <laughs> they got a darts room they got a ski ball room they got a little room with foosball I, I like if i'm drinking i need to be like doing something like playing an activity so that's my spot dude it's awesome <laughs> absolutely dude it's like it's like that episode of uh it's always sunny in philadelphia where like charlie's trying to blow the sign off the bar because when you don't have a sign on your bar it's way more posh and awesome it's cooler <laughs> automatically it's, it's way cooler because there's no sign um so i um i'm not like a I, mikey is the um is the guy who likes to go in order and I hate to go in order. So when a <laughs> thought pops into my head, I'm just going to, going to go for it and I'm just going to go for it. So, um, I know with, uh, the last record you guys put out, you guys work with, with Feldman, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We All right. So I, so I'd love to hear a little bit about that because like, you know, John, F- so, okay. Tony Hawk pro skater one. First yeah. of all. Right. So, so that's, that was my introduction to Goldfinger. And I've, I've always loved like Goldfinger. Uh, we, we had Darren, uh, you know, on, on the show as well. You know, he's a big hockey fan, but, um, John Feldman is just from everything that I've heard about him. He's a little quirky, but he's got so much, like so much good input because he's been around this kind of music for so long. So what is it, what was it like working with John? Like how, what did he do in terms of like melding your, your music? Did he, have a lot of input or was it just like, I love what you guys are doing. Let's just roll with it. Uh, John is a crazy, positive, uh, influential person to me. It was a definitely crazy uh, experience and very different for us as a band. We're not used to like being one to, you know, go to Calabasas and work with these big songwriters and producers. We're a pop punk band from Albany playing with venues with leaks in the roof. So we don't know about that. <laughs> so you know, we go there and uh, I'm right there with you. Tony Hawk Pro Skater won my first introduction to Goldfinger as well. And I think I saw Goldfinger a long, long time ago as a little kid. Um, and I just knew that they were pop. They were punk rock. They were pop yeah. punk. You know, that's what that's exactly. what they were known as. Um, 
But this guy, where he's at now, I mean, he's he's a genius. I've learned so much from John Feldman, even from the like two, three weeks we spent with him. His process is unlike anybody else's. He's so quick and fast paced and energetic and positivity. And we were we he we were meditating with him at his house before every session. Like we had never meditated before. He's like, yeah, come in my living room. We're all going to lay down. But he's got these like godlike speakers that play this meditation thing for like 15 minutes at 9 a.m. before every session. And he's like, don't like, feel free to let the emotions take you over. Bro, we're, we like closed our eyes, got way into it. 15 minutes later, we open our eyes, everyone's bawling. We're all crying, like, but we're like ready to write. Now we're like, all right, let's go write a song. Dude, it's yeah. crazy. John uh, Feldman would, would like play therapist to me, essentially. We'd go away, like out, outside, take a hike, talk about life. And then we'd come back to, uh, to his house. He'd be like, let me like, at least like get an idea. I'm going to go, I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to go find the song. That's what he says. And then he takes a guitar and he walks around his house. He walks outside. He's playing a little thing here, playing a little thing over here. And then like 15 minutes later, he'll come back to you like, what do you think about this? And it's like a perfect idea for a song. And then he's like, now you sit and write the lyrics. Okay, I'll see, I'll see you in 15 minutes. It's such a crazy process. It's not always like that. But he's the type of guy that's like, you know, this song's got like a beach vibe. Let's go surfing. <laughs> and like, like, you know, or like this sound, this song sounds like, like you're like driving down the highway fast. And like with the windows down, let's go take the mics in the car and like we'll go record vocals like driving down the highway. He's that kind of guy. Like do stuff like that. Such a like in the moment, spur of the moment impulse, but like positivity and energy and just go, go, go. And I get why a lot of people just can't really like mesh with that quick. And like he's not the best fit for everybody, but we had a great time with him. We learned a lot about him and we got a lot of good songs. So uh definitely an interesting experience you can tell that he's been through a lot and he's got stories man he's got a lot of stories about where he comes from too uh a very cool dude and uh i i i, I love the experience you know awesome i i really appreciate that insight man it's you know yeah. that, i think that's one of the greatest things about this podcast i say it all the time but it's like when am i ever gonna like you know get to talk to someone who could be like yeah john feldman told me to make that chord to c sharp and i was like i don't know john he was like make that chord to c sharp He's the only, he's pushed me to my limits. He he's he was the first guy to ever go. All right, so for this song today, we it was a writing session. We're gonna write a song today. He says, "Go in the vocal booth and sing me a song." <laughs> and we just and and he just would shove me into the vocal booth, and maybe we'd have like a note, like one note on a keyboard, and say, he'd just say, "Sing." <laughs> he's no one's ever made me do that. We don't have any ideas. We don't know what's happening. And I'm so nervous. Like it's maybe one of the first couple of days that we're there, and he just says sing, and then we build a song off of whatever I sang, like in that first minute, and and somehow we came out with a song. I think there is a song that we ended up using for that record. I don't, I couldn't tell you which one it is, but like that's how he works. It just push makes puts people outside of their comfort zone, and Love like that. that's something that a band like us kind of needed. You know, we're used to just you know five guys in a room jamming with acoustic guitars. That's the kind of thing that breaks the ice and like. I don't know, makes you think differently about, about music, about songwriting. It's a cool thing that now I take into the way that I write songs with other bands. I've been doing a lot of producing songwriting with, that's where I am right now. I'm in Indiana out like working with other bands producing right now. So I, awesome. I take all of that knowledge and put it into everything that I want to do with other artists and with my own music moving forward. It's really cool. Hell yeah. And I guess we could tie back to Albany cause you have produced young culture. So now like, do you feel like, 
because you guys made Albany work. Now you have these like young buck bands that are like loving pop punk that are going to like take the Albany scene to like, you know, what the Boston scene used to be or the Long Island scene used to be. I can only hope so. I mean, it's cool that we've got a, a younger generation and bands like I just hope. I just hope kids still want to start bands. You know, I hope that that's not a thing. You know, there's so many. Yeah. It's the rapper scene. It's the SoundCloud scene. The Post Malone's of the world. I love all that stuff, man. I love all kinds of music. But I hope there is there doesn't come a day where like kids don't aren't starting bands anymore. You know, like I fear that day. So it's really cool to have bands still doing that. Um, and in our scene, especially Young Culture, for an example, like they were opening our local shows a long time ago under different names and they're super young kids, super nice, super positive. And, uh, I've been working with them from the start. Now they have a deal with, with equal vision and, uh, they could be the next big thing. So, you know, it, it's really cool to see that happening and I'm just glad to be a part of it. I, I I'm glad that they still ask me to come around and help them with stuff. So it, it's really fun. Hell yeah. Love that. Yeah. So I guess I want to talk bucket list because you know you guys have done a lot in the scene like you you know i'm sure when you guys were starting out you were like man i just want to get signed i would love to play warp tour and then like the, the the final warp tour you guys played main stage and played the whole entire thing so like mm -hmm. i'm sure after you do something like that you have to reevaluate what are your bucket list items as a band so like what what is state champs hoping to accomplish with this next album or are you like trying to get on an nhl soundtrack are you trying to play the winter classic like what where, yeah. sky's the limit like what are you guys hoping to accomplish i think we always say i think we always come back to the sky is the limit with us and like we do have these talks and we sit back and we're like what do we want to do now? What do we want to do next? And I think that's really important for bands and artists is to always have bucket list. What's that next thing that you want to do? We did that for years. It's like, oh, we want to play Warp Tour. We want to play Main Stage Warp Tour. Now we want to play on the main stage at Reading and Leeds Festival in England, you know, and that was a big thing for us as well. Now we want to we want to headline the Roundhouse in London, which is a 3000 capacity in London. Like that would be our bucket list thing. Sold it out. Like it's so cool like to watch these things happen. But then you're like, what the heck do you do next? I would love to play the Winter Classic. That was a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I think it's just, at this point, too, the longevity and being able to do it as long as we can. You look at bands that have been doing it as long as this in this world, bands like Newfound Glory and Sum 41, you know, like th that that are just still going and still doing it for as long as they can and like shedding influence on younger bands as well. You look at a lot of bands that have blossomed into other things and gone into different areas, into the mainstream, like Fall Out Boy, you know, like that's really cool, too. That's something we talk about as well. We've always talked about, do we want to be a radio band? Do we want to get a radio hit single? Or do we just want to, like, keep growing the rooms and, like, keep our community growing and, like, just do us? And then we talk about our next record. It's like, do we want to go in some different direction or do we want to go back to our roots, you know, and go back to, like, just, like what's what's fun for us to play i think that's another thing with us too is keeping everything fun we're never going to put anything out or make any music that we're not stoked on and want to listen to ourselves so that's one thing that we always keep saying you know it's just keep it fun if it ever really starts to feel like a job and a chore then we're probably doing it for the wrong reasons at that point so it's like just keep it fun man keep it loose that's easier said than done when you've been a band for 10 years but uh it's it, we have a lot of talks about it and we're very uh transparent about it within the guys in the band so i think as long as we keep doing that 
we can fight like brothers. We can hang like brothers. We need our distance when we're not on tour. Then we miss each other and we go back on tour. There's a big cycle there. So we're going to do that as long as we can and keep building. You know, that's that's the whole story with Champs. Now, Love you, it. you mentioned, you know, some of those iconic pop punk bands like the Symbol the Plans and the Sum 41s that, you know, <laughs> have made a lifelong career out of this. Yeah. Good Charlotte. Good Charlotte. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Bayside in that, in that caliber, like that, you know, yeah. they're, they're in that same conversation. Um, you guys did a tour with Bayside and that last, I mean, not Bayside with, with simple plan. And that last mm-hmm. warp tour, you guys were playing main stage, you know, side by side. And like, mm-hmm. I remember you, in the, at the Charlotte date, they had the main stage kind of split in half. And there was like yeah. kind of just alternating the whole day. And I stayed in that amphitheater the whole entire day. That was like the the best warp tour I ever had. Like I'm used to going to Randall's Island on Long Island and like just yeah. being caked in mud and then like going to Charlotte and sitting with a ceiling fan over. I was just loving it. And oh, it's the best days on Warp Tour when we play in the amphitheater because, like, you know, it's enclosed. We oh, know yeah. everyone's going to want to get out of the sun and be in there. So you can stay in there all day. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So. I, you know, you actually went out and were singing on, I think it was I'm Just a Kid, right? I'm Just a Kid, yeah, yeah. with Simple Plan. And I remember that was actually the first time I ever seen Simple Plan live, even though, like, you know, growing up in the pop punk scene, you know, since the early 2000s, it, it just never worked out. And I remember watching Simple Plan and, like, people losing their minds. I'm like, man, they're fucking rock stars. Like, they're not just like a pop punk band. They're rock stars. And the way I knew this was there was actually a girl that got on top of her boyfriend's sh- like shoulders and flashed them. And I'm like seeing this from the corner of my like from the corner. I'm like, I thought that only happened in the 80s for like hair metal bands like that happens for simple plan like what is going on? That doesn't like- happen anymore too. people think that that's such a rock star thing like. Oh, that must happen all the time. No, it's such a rarity. Like, but th- they are rock stars. They've been doing it for so long, man. They're they're, they're pros. I mean, like you know, the the Blink One Eighty Two live record, like you know, it, that came out in the late nineties. Uh, you know, like Mark and Tom were still getting flashed and talking about it on on record for everyone to hear. Um, but yeah, there there's a, a crazy lineage, and I, I think that's uh seeing the you know the old guard come together with the new guard is super cool so you know like you know state champs and and simple plan you know when um uh you know when good charlotte uh went out on tour um i I forgot i I forget who they are yeah the story so far right and oh uh, yeah yeah. and even uh, and even um when the early november kind of did their comeback you know they ended up uh taking taking wonder years out with them you know so it's like that's right kind of the old guard and the new guard which uh which i really love so um I, i'm not gonna let you get out of here until we talk some hockey and, and we, <laughs> we we gotta dig into it so first and foremost put a, a sear curtain on um on uh preds right seven nothing i think it was uh yeah out- the other night yeah um we're off to a great start and i'm happy with that it was <laughs> it was a crazy thing that uh you know, the season was supposed to start a couple weeks for them. And then what, 16 players on the stars got COVID. So they had yes. to delay. Um, so here we are two games in everybody else has played like six or seven games, but at least we can call ourselves undefeated for now. There's uh there's, <laughs> there's 
that you could tell they were ready to play needless to say so uh yeah. it's, it's looking good so far i think it's pretty awesome that band that uh that teams are playing the same teams so much everything is like a little series right now with yeah. how many games they have to they have to cram in uh so i think it's gonna make for great hockey it's gonna be aggressive it's gonna get chippy it's gonna be really cool i'm excited to see what happens yeah i think that's a that's a huge thing where we've talked about a lot is how this is going to build rivalries Oh, yeah. You know, it's going to it's going to stoke the flames of old rivalries. You know, I've talked about it a bunch. You know, the Islanders and Rangers mm-hmm. have had that storied rivalry for so long, but it's kind of fizzled out over the past couple of years um, just because the Rangers were kind of not a great team. And then the same, you know, happened when the Islanders went through their rough years where the Islanders were a terrible team and the Rangers were a little bit better. And you know, that, rival, that rivalry didn't mean as much. But now, you know, you're talking about playing each other eight times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, the the Rangers, you know, even though right now the Islanders, uh, you know, we took one from them, they, they took one right back from us. But, you know, the Rangers are trying to rebuild that organization. So I think it's going to be an awesome thing. Um, but, you know, for, for for you guys, I mean, you know, you guys are, 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 are going to be, you know, pretty much building some storied rivalries from this now. So yeah, we don't um, really have a rival. Like the stars, I mean, they, I guess you call the Blues one of their rivals. The Preds I guess, now yeah. too, I guess. But uh, I mean, they never really had like a serious rival. Uh, at least I don't think. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Um, I, I I would probably say the 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 Blues for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you'd probably say the Hawks. At, you know, sort of. I guess, but you know, that's obviously a little bit different this year. But um, so. You know, talking, you know, 2021 stars, what are you excited for? Like, is, you know, there anyone that you're on the team that you're looking at that's maybe, uh, you know, not not a superstar that you think can be a superstar? Anyone that you're uh, really looking at closely to see what they'll be able to do? Um, I've been, I mean, for the past couple of years, I've been really excited about Miro Haskinen. I think he's, he's a phenomenal player and I think he's so young and he's got, he's going to be a star. He's, he already is becoming a star, but what really surprised me at the end of the playoffs last year was this guy, Yoel Kibiranta, um, who, who ended up scoring some overtime winners. And, uh, it's just a young kid that wasn't getting much ice time, but now he's in the line. I put him on my fantasy team this year. So really hope he does well. <laughs> um, there's a couple of young stars and, uh, I mean, it's cool to have some, some older talent too, kind of leading the way with Pavelski doing really well and still playing great hockey. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, but the leaders really need to step up. I think Jamie Ben needs to, needs to have a great year again. He needs to start putting points on the board and Tyler Sagan needs to get healthy. And then I think we'll be in good shape. <laughs> so we'll see, you know? So you mentioned Jamie Ben and I thought I was like, just giving Tom like an alley-oop with the, you know, talking about simple plan. And he just did not transition there, but whatever. Tom's a rookie, whatever. So let's talk about that because on that simple plan tour, uh, that simple plan tour, Chuck told us that he was eating dinner at some restaurant in Dallas and Jamie Ben walked in and he invited him to your show and he actually yeah. came. So like, did you have any idea that Chuck let you know beforehand that that was happening? Or was that like a surprise? You walked off stage and then in your green room is Jamie Ben and like some of the Dallas stars. No, he didn't fucking tell me and he didn't do it on purpose. It, I think he did. He didn't do it on purpose. Their photographer had to come in and tell me, did you know Jamie Ben's here? I'm like, you're fucking kidding me, man. No way. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, they're they're side stage watching watching the show right now. Do you want to go down? 
I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go punish him. Like, you know, I want to go ask him a bunch of questions. And he's like, all right, hold on. Like, maybe not yet. Cause they know I'm going to go down and like ask him a bunch of questions. And I'm like, not really, not like that. But that was the one time, man, everyone asks like, what's the, like the suit, like the fanboy moment that you've had, like, whether it's with a, another musician, I've never really had it with another musician. That was the moment. Like they brought me down side stage. And uh, he was there. He brought his brother, Jordy Ben, because uh, the Canucks were in town. They were going to be playing them that the, the night after or something. So him and uh, a couple other players were around. It's so funny that he just ran into him at dinner and invited him. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Simple Plan. I'll bring my boys. <laughs> what the heck? That just goes to show what Simple Plan is. Exactly. Like their, Rock stars. Their platform. Like Jamie Ben going, oh, Simple Plan. I love you guys. Yeah, I'll come to the show. And that was like a half hour before that. It just rolls up. Um, he was really, really nice though. Before I went to before, and it was right before I had to go on stage to sing with Simple Plan, like for our song together, the Where I Belong collab song that we did. Yeah, yep. So I did that, and it was immediately after that he was side stage. I put on my my state my Dallas Stars uh, Stanley Cup champion shirt right before then to go on stage. Came off stage. He's right there. I got introduced by their photographer. It's like, nice shirt. I've never seen that one. Like, and it was almost like he was going to like buy it off me or something like that. <laughs> so that was the icebreaker. We got talking about some stuff and it was just cool, man. I was like lording out, like basically just like asking every question I could. So what's like this, like, you know, asking him about being a captain and stuff, being a leader. And we're relating that to being a front man. It was pretty cool. The conversation that we had. And then what we came back to was like, what we realized is like, musicians want to be athletes like that Dude, and athletes want to be talk musicians. about that all the time yeah, so so that's where it came down to he was like man i wish i could do what you do like playing shows every night i'm like are you kidding me man i want to do what you do so uh it was a cool little converse- conversation i didn't like want to go too long and like start embarrassing myself i totally would have and i probably did but like whatever we got some pictures together I will hold them dearly for the rest of my life, and I hope that we can be in touch. That's that's really it. It was a, it was that moment for me, the fanboy moment. I love it. Now, yeah. Do you have any other like stories of other NHL players that are fans of state champs? Do you know of any? Uh, there's a couple guys on the Bruins. Uh, there, there, there's, a, I get like random messages, but like, and I get a lot of like stories from friends that know other players, but like. Who knows, like, if they're telling the truth or not. But I don't, not that I know of. I, I would love for them to show face, though, if anybody's listening. Like, hit me up. I want to talk to you. Like, I love talking hockey with anybody, especially, like, getting the stories from the pros themselves. So it's really, really cool. I did want to tell a story about my first time ever going to a Dallas Stars game. I think it was in, like, 2014 or 15. Hell yeah. And it because you brought, you brought up how, like, uh, the, the Hawks may have been a, a rival of theirs at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. First game I ever went to while like first ever stars home games. Sorry. The first stars home game is when we were on tour in Dallas. We played a festival and then I immediately like found some tickets in the the nosebleeds, nosebleeds. And I went and, and watched the stars play the Hawks. And uh they didn't score. They got shut out. I think it was 13-nothing by the Hawks that year. <laughs> it was so bad. It was one of the years that the Hawks ended up winning the cup. So uh, like 2014 or 15, one of those years. Um, but was what was awesome is it was the year that uh, that Yager played the one year with the, with the Stars, which was really exciting to see. So that was a really cool thing to watch, you know. Um, that's it, though. That's it. My the story. <laughs> the story is the first home game Stars like game that I got to go to. 
they got blown out like 13 nothing by the Hawks, and and I, I was very let down. Yeah, my, <laughs> I, my for, I forgot that Yager played for the Stars. Yager he, played that one year, yeah. and like that that was that was pretty cool to see him in a Stars jersey. I, w- I went to a uh, my first baseball game in Philly uh, at Citizens Bank. It was a Mets Phillies game, and mm-hmm. the Mets got beaten like 16 to nothing. And um, I was told I was dating a girl from Philly at the time. And uh, we're about to go into Citizens Bank. I'm about to put my Mets jersey on. She's like, don't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean, don't do it? I'm like, what the fuck? You know who you're talking to? Like, I'm ultra Met fan, number one Met fan. And she's like, please don't do it. She's like, we're going to have a bad time if you do it. So I'm like, all right, fine. I won't do it. Sure as shit. I saw like a girlfriend and boyfriend couple, probably 20-something, walk in, both wearing Mets gears. Bro, this girl got a hot dog. Just thrown at her. Hot no dog. Way. Full, full hot dog. Ketchup, mustard, all the fixings you want in your hot dog, all over this chick. And the dude like turned around to, to be like a dude and be like, Well, you throwing a hot dog at my girlfriend. And like 20 Phillies fans were like, What are you gonna do about it? And he was like, I'm gonna walk off. Yeah, my, I bet, dude. My That's hot scary. dog girlfriend. And but like, so that kind of like that kind of feeling, right? Like you and and you you feel it when like um, especially with uh I know for, for us as Islanders fans, you know, like Islanders Flyers games and, and like mm-hmm. you feel it with, um, you know, and maybe not so much, obviously with the Rangers, maybe not so much with the Devils, but like, you know, so have you ever had that, that experience of being in like another city, like with your stars gear, just getting like <laughs> eviscerated? You know, I've kind of found the cheat around that. And I, cause okay. now I've had to do it for a long time. Um, uh, Madison Square Garden and in Newark when the when they play the Devils, I'm always one of the only guys in green. You know, uh, luckily I always wear a Madonna jersey, so someone will always end up looking at the back and go, "Okay, a little bit of respect, Madonna, nice." <laughs> you know, but when I'm down anywhere, if there's any good seats or whatever, and I know I'm not in a safe zone, I, there's no chance I'm not wearing a Stars jersey, so I always will. So, but uh. You just got to buy a beer, buy a beer for the guy next to you. That's all you got to do is, is like you get down to your seat, have an extra beer and give it to give it to the most threatening guy around you. That looks like they would chirp you hard, you know, and I've got <laughs> I've been I've been chirped like pretty like and I, I could take it. I don't really care. Nothing like that. I've never had things thrown at me, <laughs> luckily. But uh, yeah, uh, to everybody out there that, you know, you're worried to wear your team's colors at another at an away game. <laughs> grab an extra beer. Give it to the most threatening person next to you. Love that. <laughs> and, you know. Funny and another funny story, just so you know, apparently that's the way to get to like the lower bowl when you're at a Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, all you have to do is have two beers in your hand and uh, the security will just be like, oh, two beers. You guys belong here. And then you just get to go all the way from like way up top to like right on ice. That's like the, that's like the code, the unwritten law. Like, two, I, dude, oh, these guys got two beers. You're good. Someone told <laughs> us that like because Tom's actually. Like he's basing this on an actual story, so yeah, like it really this, this really happened. So we're like at the bar <laughs> before a Hurricane Islanders game, and we were way up top. And the guys that we were talking to at the bar, they're like, "Yo, we know this trick. All you need to do is get two beers and walk in like you own the place, and the ushers won't even stop you." So we're yeah. like, "Hey, let's give it a shot." Sure enough, all of us. There was like four of us. Two beers in each of hands, just walked right past the usher, right down to like, you know, $150 seats and stayed right. there the whole game. 
Now, is yeah. that just because you got two, so they think you're carrying it for someone down there? Is no, that the like idea? They, they just think, like, oh, they got two beers. He's not going to be able to reach in his pocket to check, like, to get the ticket oh, stuff out. Oh, okay, okay. Or, like, whatever, like, just a, a popcorn and a beer or something like that. Like, your hands are full. Sorry, buddy. I got I'm, – yeah. I'm going. We yeah, didn't, I'm, we I'm didn't down there, guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't t- we didn't test the popcorn and beer theory. <laughs> we tested the two-beer theory. The two-beer theory Matt, works. You can't say anything about it. Didn't, popcorn didn't work. They're like – no, no, no Carolina Hurricanes fan would have popcorn. He just takes the there. popcorn. He's like, I'll hold this. Let me see your ticket. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we've we've kind of explored a little bit, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how, how you guys had this great relationship with with Pure Noise and you're working on this, you know, this this new record. Um, just just curious. You know, I know. You probably got to be a little bit tight-lipped about it, but as far as a new record is concerned, um, what what sh- are we in for? Like, have you kind of made a decision? Because I know you were pontificating before saying, you know, do we want to go in a different direction? Do we want to go back to our roots? So, you know, for like the state champs fans that are listening and that are that are really kind of interested, where do you want to take this new record? Like what, what, if, if it was you, like you specifically, cause I, I mean, you're, you know, you're 20% of a band that has all of the creative input, but if you wanted to take this in a direction, where would you want to go with it? I think we've taken it. Like it's almost done at this point. And uh, oh, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, it's almost done. Uh, I'm going to go out in March and finish it. I got to sing some songs. Sick. I got to do some vocals, but uh, we took a lot of time. We wrote a lot of songs, honestly. And like, we're never afraid to just write a good song that we think is a good song. We don't think about, well, we need to go and we need to be more, we need to be heavier or we need to be like poppier. Like we don't think about that. We'll write some poppy songs, write heavy songs, this and that. But the overall, like of what I'm getting is, you know, we have three records now. We have like the like bare bones, pop punk record we have the little more like produced middle ground like around the world and back our second one and then maybe like we took some chances on the third one where we went in a little different directions and overproduced or tried some new things whatever i think uh there's gonna be a little bit of everything on this next one and if anything leaning back more towards our rudy pop punkness and like edgier um energetic and more along the lines of our second record i would say around the world and back uh so but uh all in all, like I say, it's not, there wasn't one thing said on, we need to go back to this or we need to do this. We just sit down and write songs and we wrote a bunch. We must've wrote like 27, 27, 26, 27 songs. And then we took, we wrote each song on a flashcard and then started like mixing them around. Which ones do we like the most? And then we ended up with what we think is going to be this next record. I'm really excited about it. So, uh, a little bit of everything as far as what we've done in the past and and then some. Like these are the best songs we've ever written. It's gonna be sick. It's gonna awesome. be dope. I can't wait to share it. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So, Derek, I got one final question for you. Hard to please. Tell me about the music video. How did that come about? <laughs> Were you just like, I'm doing this, I don't care if it has anything to do with the song or not. I'm somehow having a hockey music video. Yep. First music video that we had a budget for that came from Pure Noise. Hockey music video. Sorry, boys. That's what we're doing. And, and uh, uh, it's it's my local hockey rink where I I grew up playing, and uh, I know the owners very well, good family friends. So I said, here, like, you know about where I'm at now. I've got this record deal, and we're we have this budget for a music video. What's it going to take to uh, let us use the rink for a day or two and try and do this this music video? They ended up giving it to us for free. They gave us a full day, like dawn, dusk to uh, dawn to dusk, and. Uh, and we just 
came out with the hard to please music video. We, uh, we got some friends to come out and be like the, the kids in the bleachers, our manager and our management team are the coaches on each side. All my old hockey buddies are, we got, uh, jerseys printed by our merch company, like to be the dark team and the light team and, uh, a script written by Rob Susie, the director. And, uh, it was super fun, man. We did just like mess around most of the day and like play pickup. And then like every cup, every like half hour, They'd be like, all right, can we film a fucking scene? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, big fight scene at the end. We did put a bunch of fake blood on us. It's a little silly. There's like, uh, we're like waving at girls in the stands and, you know, we're fighting over girls' attention in the in the bleachers. But then it's the Zamboni guy that ends up getting the girls at the end of the music video. That's the storyline. It's super silly. It's pop punk. It's it's immature. But that's what we were about back then. And yeah, there was no way I wasn't going to not do a hockey music video as the first one that's fueled by record label money. That's not mine. So had to do it. No shame. Hell yeah, man. And, you know, it, it just makes you think, you know, there are a few others floating around there. Do you know of any others? Hockey um, music video? I looked it up. I looked it up at the time and I found a couple other ones, but I don't remember what bands. Did you guys look it up? So our homies in Envy on the Coast, they're big New York Islander fans. They actually film their video on the Coliseum ice. Oh, no way. Yeah. So look that That's one up. Cool. That's a good one. I got to check that one out for sure. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to look at, I was like, have any bands done like what we're trying to do here, like on a hockey rink and stuff. But the fact that it was given to us for free, I was like, we got to just do this, you know, like oh, we yeah, got, man. we got to just yeah. go for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I think that's what kind of like opened up my eyes. I was like, when I got into state champs and I, that was the first video I saw, I was like, Oh shit! And they're hockey fans. Like that's what's up. So then, like, <laughs> you know, I look like such a douche in it too. I'm like wearing sunglasses while playing <laughs> hockey. It's like who does that? It's so bad. <laughs> Looking back on it now, I mean, it's like seven years old, but whatever. No regrets, I guess. Oh, no, dude. man, I love it. I love no it. No regrets at all. So, um, what? So I'm gonna just ask one last thing. Um, you know, you said you're you're kind of in into producing and stuff now. Uh, you know, give us a beat on. Uh, someone who you've worked with that uh, you know hasn't maybe hasn't broken broken through the mold yet that you uh, are really really into someone that we can maybe put some new people onto. There's this band I'm working with right now. They're from Michigan. They're called Last Night Saved My Life. They're an unsigned uh, pop punk band. Uh, I did their first record with them. It's called Cherry. Right here at the studio, Always Be Genius, out here in Crown Point, Indiana. And uh, now they're in a brand new big studio, and, and it's fucking awesome. And I'm working on their second record with them. Last Night Saved yes. My Life, they're called. And uh, I think they could really uh, take the scene by storm. So, And they're com we're coming up with some awesome shit. It's only my second day with these guys. And like... Coming up with a lot of cool shit, great vibes, good dudes, and uh, anybody that hasn't checked it out. And if you're into this scene, into the pop punk stuff, make sure you check it out. I definitely will. I'm all about yeah, that. Yeah, man. All right, man. Derek, honestly, this was a special episode, episode 100. Special guest. Like, we really do appreciate this conversation that we got to have with you. And 100, man. That's super special. Congrats, you guys. Thanks for having Thanks. me, dude. I, I'm surprised that there's 100 dudes in this scene that love hockey and alternative music like and and fuck with you guys <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> but no this is really really fun you guys are awesome man i would do it again so thanks for having me bro All right, hell man. yeah man we'll let you get back to uh being producer extraordinaire frontman designer whatever else you got going on man <laughs> thanks man hey here's to 100 more episodes all right all right man thank you Cheers. brother have a good one all right take care boys 
I'm a realist and an optimist, but I swear to you, I'm not getting over this. ladies and gentlemen, is how you do a 100th episode. Derek from State Champs, super great person, love chatting with him, learning all these cool things about him, hearing Mikey get to talk about how much he loves Albany, probably makes all (laughs) all of everyone from Charlotte super bummed because everyone from Charlotte's like, dude, we thought you loved us. It's, you know, it's it's having having love for two things, but uh, how cool is that, man? That's uh, you know, that's a, a guy in in a band who probably hasn't hasn't even begun to reach their full potential. You know, those those guys could easily be you know the next humongous band, uh, depending on what direction they go. But super down to earth, awesome conversation. Loves hockey. I mean, you can't get any better than that, can you? Not. That's that's why we had to go, Derek, for episode one hundred, man. And it was a special conversation or a special episode for a conversation with my special friend, Tom. I'm just going to keep saying special, like I said in the intro, because <laughs> this is freaking cool. So, you know what else is super special is um, taking your baby who's not even uh, like a one-year-old baby and bringing them to their first punk rock show. Yeah, dude. So, so like, <laughs> as as shitty as 2020 has been and 2021 is kind of off to a, you know, a shitty start as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some things that you, you kind of just have to, you know, stop and reflect and be like, you know what, this is actually kind of special. And, you know, something that has come from this is bands have done live streams. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've attended a few of them. But this past weekend, Keep Flying had theirs. And, you know, me being a huge Keep Flying fan, I was like all for it. And it was starting at 6 p.m. where a lot of the other live streams start at like 9, 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, by that point, I'm I'm doing the whole bedtime routine and I, I can't even really catch it myself. But this one, since it started at 6, I was like, you know what? You know, let's have dinner and let's have Kaylee like take in her first concert. And, you know, she's four months old you know we we obviously weren't blasting it loud because <laughs> we don't want her to like have her eardrums blown out but like yeah you know the fact that we were able to control the volume and like keep it kind of low but then like she actually watched people on tv performing music for the first time like it was cool and if it was normal circumstances she would never have had that experience until she was much older in life so yeah, absolutely. It was kind of cool, and it you know it's one of those things that I, I'll document and like remember the rest of her life and my life. Like 
Kaylee went to her first punk rock show at four months old. Did she like, like, did she like even like register it? Do you think like, was she like, I mean, cause four months old is, is, you know, there's still like, you know, a, a lot that they need to like develop on. But like, did you notice like her reacting to it at all? No, she did like her. Uh, and I have a photo that I posted that night. Like her eyes were glued to it. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be here like, you know, preaching to the choir or anything on a pedestal. But like, you know, you don't want your child also to to stare at a TV for too long. So that's true. Yeah. You know, we gave her about a minute or so. But like for that minute that she was watching, she was glued to the TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. And. You know, and then when we turned her away, this the sound was still on, so she was still listening to the whole concert. So okay, it was just cool, and like did it from the comfort of my living room with my wife, like in sweatpants. You know, yes, twenty twenty sucks and twenty twenty one sucks, but you know, at that point, I think there was like over two hundred people that tuned into their stream. That's cool. That's cool for no. That is, I mean, that's awesome, and you know, couldn't couldn't really happen to to better guys. You know, everyone in that band or. or uh... Are, are totally f- fun, awesome people. Um, you know, John Ryan, Peter, I mean, you know, they, they're all, they're all awesome. So um, really, really excited that their live stream went, uh, went well. Um, you know, and, and that I, you know, I think that the cool thing about that, and like you said, is, you know, it gives people insight uh, in a different way. Like, you know, watching through uh, into it over it's live at the red room, you know, they, they kind of broke it up into segments, but you know, when you're at a show, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole different type of atmosphere, um, you know, and just the, you know, how loud it is and the way the crowd is. And I mean, you know, you can't replicate that, but there's something to be said about the fidelity of, you know, getting in a room and making sure everything sounds perfect and presenting your music in a way that maybe you might not be able to do in a live setting because you just don't have the time or, you know, you, you didn't, you weren't able to get the tones you wanted to get out of sound check. So, um, it's just being presented in such a way. And then some bands are even going above and beyond and adding production to, to what they're doing. So I think it's a really cool way for bands to be able to stay active, give their fans what they want, uh, but presented in a way that is very nurturing for fans because, you know, you, you get this insight into, you know, their creative process and how they're able to make things really neat and compressed. And I, I just, I love it. So um, kudos to everyone who's out there doing it. Kudos. Yeah, I, I, hope it, I hope it like, I, you know, obviously I want shows to come back in full capacity. Like that's what we all want, but I hope that this doesn't go away. I hope that they bands still find a way to do these streaming events to keep in mind, like the older, you know, 30 somethings, 40 something year olds who have families and can't always, you know, get a sitter or, you know, go out on, on, on the town and go to a a show anymore. Like this gives, you know, opportunities to some of their older fans to still catch live music. So I hope, I hope it doesn't completely go away. No. And I don't think it will. Um, I, I think that even when live music is able to come back in, in whatever capacity it is, I think that a lot of conscious bands will still uh, be able to present this to their fans that don't feel safe going, you know, to venues and seeing shows because it could be a long time until that that's reality. Uh, but on that note, everybody, um, 
you know, I've said it a bunch of times, but uh, this is episode 100. We did what we've done 100 episodes. Um, that's still, it's, it's wild. Um, Mikey, I, I love doing this, man. You're, you're, you're my dude. You're my forever dude. And, um, I, I hope we get to do another hundred, you know, and, and I think episode 200, uh, we're going to have to, I don't know, maybe we're just going to have to get, uh, you know, James Hetfield from Metallica for episode. <laughs> And then when episode 300 comes around, I, we probably got to get like Bruce Springsteen or something. I don't know how we're going to keep topping it, but we're going to try. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I'm going to give you my, my, my old sign off, but uh, I'm going to add this one very important extra thing. And it's that, um, you know, when we were doing this, you know, just as our, you know, doing it on our own and all this stuff, you know, we, we only had so much reach and, uh, you know, the hockey podcast network bringing us on has, has given us kind of um, a new era of life in terms of getting to, you know, a broader audience and being able to get into the ears of more listeners. And uh, we're really uh, proud of that. We're indebted to the hockey podcast network for that. So we really do appreciate, uh, you know, all of the work that they do for us and all the opportunities they give us. Uh, but we appreciate all of you guys listening to us because without you guys, we're, you know, talking to nobody. We're just speaking into the into the abyss and we don't want to do that. So, um, you know, again, uh, there's still a little bit of time, uh, for our, uh, cool little contest that we got going on with, uh, Steve's brand with the, uh, with long Island hockey and with smutty nose. So, um, go make sure you enter those contests and, uh, you know, get some free stuff because we love giving you free stuff. Uh, but we appreciate you guys. And, uh, we really, are super stoked for what's to come for Bar Down Breakdown. So keep listening, keep tuning in wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, um, you know, we're on YouTube now. We've got the presence there, so you can catch us there. And uh, the boy Michael, he started a TikTok, which I, oh my uh, God, will, dude, <laughs> which I, which I hate. Uh, I hate, hate it. But you know what? You love it, don't you, Mike? You love it. I don't love it, but. Love I'm, it. I'm taking one for the team, man. I like, oh. you know, if if that gets us to five new listeners, that's five more people that tune in to listen to these great conversations about music and hockey. Uh, I'm willing to to put in the little extra work and try to learn a platform that is just bonkers to me. And I, for the first time in my life, felt old. Like <laughs> I, I, I felt like. Like I, I've kind of hit that point where technology's moving faster than I can keep up with. And yeah. that was the moment. It was when I downloaded TikTok and I opened it up and I was like, what is this? Like stimulate like stimulation overload. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. It it's it's not easy for me to like because I I watch these videos and I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. And then it's like, now how did they do that? Because <laughs> Oh, I dude, I I, I can't even begin. Can't even begin. It's crazy. But so, but if kudos, you want to follow us on TikTok, I don't know what I'm going to be doing on there. Uh, not really selling us too hard. Like, if you already listened <laughs> to us, you already found us. So I'm not. I'm not trying to to win you over. What I'm trying to do is get us some more listens through using this platform, and we'll see if it works. If not, you can just see me posting dumb videos about bands that I like, and that's what I'm going to do on TikTok. <laughs> All right, sick. And uh, also shout out to Origami Angel oh, for uh, doing doing another pressing of their record that I bought. Somewhere a city, dude. What a what an album. Twenty four hour drive through. Yep. Amen. All right, boys. Listen, 
thank you so much for for listening. Uh, we love you guys, and we love hockey, and we love music, and uh, that's all you need to know. And on that note, Michael. All right, Tom. It's been real for 100 episodes. Peace be with you. And also with you. And I don't know what to do first Good feels bad, bad feels worse The gift of thought is more like a curse And it all hurts And that's why I can't talk to anyone And I would rather stay inside You say hi, I can't look you in the eye If you call me, there'll be no Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, Jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network.